Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Today, I want to talk to you about the places in your life where you feel stuck, you feel trapped, you feel locked down or chained up. Stuck, trapped, locked down, or chained up. Now, you might be thinking that I'm describing the stay-at-home order that we've been living under for the last uh, two months now, but it's actually worse than that. Uh, I was reading this week, according to the, the UN's International Labor Organization, there are greater than 40 million people in slavery right now. One out of every 200 people on planet Earth is in some form of slavery right now. And that's terrible between uh, those that are being forced labor, those who have been trafficked, those are in uh, forced marriages, or those that have been kind of conscripted by their governments. It's terrible. It's, it's, it's a tragedy on the earth that we uh, as a church do not support. And obviously we're praying for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. But what I wanna talk to you today is not even that, it's worse than that. Because it's something that has affected every single human being on the planet. It's It's the parts of our lives where every one of us, we feel stuck, we feel trapped. We feel locked down and chained up. And it comes from Romans 6. That's where we're going to be reading from today. If you want to start turning there. And I just want to kind of let you know a little bit about what's happening here. See, Paul is, uh, he's writing his magnum opus, the book of Romans. And this book is amazing. This was a, a very long letter that would have circulated to all the different churches that were uh, planted by Paul that were not just in Jerusalem or in uh, Israel, but they would have been Gentile churches as well. And so Paul's writing this letter that's going to circulate and he's he's trying to explain the difference between law and grace. And it's in that uh, portion that we pick this up right here. In Romans 6 verse 1, it says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Verse five, for if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. 
now. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it uh, to sin as weapons of unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons of righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Now, what you heard in that passage is Paul expounding this resurrection that we're talking about as a church body. We're in a series called Empty and Open, seven victories that are open to you because Jesus's tomb is empty. This was the cry of the early church. It's what the apostles saw with their own eyes. Jesus back from the dead. It's the central claim of Christianity. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there's no reason for me to preach to you right now. There's no reason for a live stream. There's no reason for our church, but he is alive. And what Paul's telling us here is crucial for us to understand, especially in those places where we are feeling stuck, trapped, locked down, and chained up. Paul's responding to some opponents, and here's what they're saying, and you've probably heard this before. If you teach people grace, they're going to run with it. They're, they're going to use that as an excuse and they're, they're going to sin more than ever and they're going to be worse off than if you had just taught them law. But Paul says something deeper, something more profound than that has happened. And the first point that I think you need to understand from what Paul is saying is that the empty tomb has opened newness of life for you. It's opened newness of life for you. It, it, it comes to us from verse four. He says, therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. Now, real quick, this is uh, in, in, in understanding of a baptism is important here. That Paul is saying that we are baptized with Jesus, right? He's pointing back to our baptism. When, when you believe in Christ and you make that public, you are baptized. And how we do that here at our church is that we find a body of water. It could be a trough. It could be a swimming pool. It could be a hot tub. It, it doesn't matter. And we lower you into that water. And Paul says, it's like a watery grave that you're lowered down and in your buried with Jesus in his death. And as we pull you up, it's this beautiful picture, a public declaration of what's happened in the spiritual realm that you are now alive with Christ. And Paul tells us that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Now, that is really, really good news when you feel stuck. 
entrapped and locked down and chained up. The empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus has opened for you newness of life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And what Paul does here and what he does elsewhere throughout the New Testament as he speaks of this newness in present tense. Here's what I mean. It's not a newness that will come to you someday later when Jesus returns or when you die and and finally go to heaven. It's not like you're having to wait for newness then. Paul speaks about newness now. He wants us to know that this is actually something that we walk in, that we walk in in newness of life right now, that we are to consider ourselves as people who are already alive from the dead. The resurrection is your current reality if you are a believer in Christ. And it means that you get to walk in the newness of life. The second thing that you need to understand is that the empty tomb emancipates us from our old slave master. You see, the, the mantra of secular humanism, it's kind of the air that we breathe, breathe here in America in the West. It tells us this, that there is a freedom from God. Right? There's, there's this freedom from the morality of the Bible. There's freedom to live however you want. There's freedom to express your sexuality however you want to. Right? There's freedom to be your own master. This is the, the message. It's, it's laced throughout our culture that the, this devotion to God, this life lived in devotion to God is a small, lifeless, unintelligent, fear-ridden, and oppressive existence. And the, 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 the message of humanism is to throw it off and to find your freedom. However, the scriptures paint a very different reality. It actually portrays our true reality that if you were to really look at the lives of the people who have thrown off the ways of God, you're not going to find free people. In fact, you're going to find exactly what Paul describes in verse six, as he talks about some of these elements, he calls it our old self. He says that our old self was crucified. He, he mentions this phrase ruled by sin, that this body ruled by sin. At the end of the verse, he says that it's enslaved to sin. Now, I don't have time to take you through the whole book of Romans to show you how Paul's been building this, but you need to understand that he's told us previously in the book that uh, as he quotes the Old Testament prophets, that no one is righteous, not even one. All have turned away. All have gone after their own way and in all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the argument that he's made in the book. 
And because of that, it's not just that we have sinned, but he's painting a much graver situation that all of us have been trapped, right? We've been, we, we've been ensnared. We've been locked down. We've been stuck. We've been chained up by sin. We've been enslaved by sin. Now, slavery has quite a history in our nation. If you were to look up the definition of slave in the dictionary, uh, as I did this week, you'll find a definition that says a person held in servitude as the property of another, a person that is owned by someone. Okay. And what Paul says is, look, sin has owned you. You were its property. You were enslaved. Another definition of slave that you would find is one that is completely subservient to a dominating influence, a dominating influence. Now in Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2, Paul tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we previously walked according to the ways of this world, but get this, he says, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. He says, look, it's even, it's even worse than you think. It's not that you, that you just sinned, but you're enslaved to sin and you've actually been dominated by this force of evil darkness this demonic power that's actually at work, a spirit at work in the hearts of human beings that are disobedient to God. Wow. Another definition of slavery is a device that is directly responsive to another. So in my house, I have a Wi-Fi network, probably like you do, and uh, when I'm working on my computer and I want to print something out, I hit print and my wireless printer is connected to the same network and it starts printing the moment that I tell it to print. Why? Because it is a slave device and my computer is the master. Paul's saying, look, you need to understand that in the, in the realm of the heart and the soul that we are actually enslaved to these controlling forces, these things that we are um, responsive to directly. In verse three of Ephesians chapter two, he tells us that we were subservient to our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination of our flesh and our thoughts that when our flesh would say print, we would start printing. We were dominated. We've been enslaved and it affects every single one of us. But the empty tomb emancipates us from our slave master. Verse six, he told us, we know that our old self was crucified with him. That in this faith and turning to Jesus, when we, when we turn ourselves to him, that there's this transaction that takes place where we die with him on that cross. 
We've been crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin, right? This thing that we've been talking about, this enslaved part of us might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Let me just repeat that phrase that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. The empty tomb has set us free. We've been emancipated from our slave master by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. No longer enslaved. The last thing I want you to see is that the empty tomb means your chains can be broken. Your chains can be broken. Uh, This past week, I was watching a show with my family, my kids, and in the show, a a couple guys are trying to get into this mine. It was an old mine that had been shut down, had been chained up and locked, and one of the guys had this pair of bolt cutters. Now, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's a, a, a set of pliers, very big set of pliers that very strong and you can cut a chain. And so he goes up and he cuts the chain. The chain falls right off. And my younger son had never seen this before. And he's like, dad, you can cut through a chain. And I said, only if you have the right tool, only if you have the right tool. You see, Paul tells us that we have a tool now that works. Some of you have tried everything and it hasn't worked. Verse seven, Paul tells us that a person who has died is freed from sin. A person who's died is freed from sin. That in this turning to Jesus, in this faith, through the resurrection power, the finished work of the cross and that empty tomb, we have the right tool for our chains to be broken. There's victory for every part of your life where you have felt stuck, trapped, locked down, and chained up. The empty tomb screams at us over the, over the millennia that there is freedom now to walk in newness of life. Now, this is the call of God for you. It's what Jesus has bought and paid for, that your chains can be broken. And let me just remind you, that nowhere in this passage does Paul say that in any way that we're supposed to go and break our own chains and clean our lives up and then present ourselves to God and then we'll be accepted and God will receive us. That's not at all what Paul portrays here. That's what religion teaches. But what Paul teaches us is the true work of God in the grace of Jesus Christ, that God is the one who meets us in our chains like the demoniac uh, on the banks of the Gerasenes where, where Jesus greets him and this man who's been chained and the, the chains weren't able to hold him, but Jesus frees him. 
he, he cast out all this evil stuff that's been inside of this man and he sets him back in his right mind. The, the man who physical chains couldn't hold because his spiritual bondage was so strong, Jesus has the power to, to break chains like that. Power to break spiritual chains that have held us captive. We have a chain breaker. We have victory. We have the tool that works. And we find it in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And it's through that power that we can live out what Paul tells us in verses 12 through 14. I'll read it for you again. This is, therefore, do not let sin reign. Reign means to dominate, to rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons of unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead right now, the resurrection power of Jesus alive in you, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you're not under law, but under grace. We have power to break chains. Now, some of you hear this and your heart leaps because you know you've experienced Jesus as the chain breaker. You've seen him deliver you out of things in your life and your heart is just full of worship right now. Some of you, you hear this and it's like I gave you a plane ticket to Antarctica. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about and it sounds like a place that I don't even wanna go and I'm saddened for you. But I'm believing that someone is hearing this right now and you're so fed up, you're so sick of it, you're so tired of those places in your life where you have been trapped, right? Where, where you have been locked down, where you've been stuck and where you've been chained up and you're so tired of that and you are ready. It's like the, the voice of your slave master is finally losing its spell over you and you know, it's like the spirit's whispering to you of freedom and you know deep down in your bones that you need to have chains broken. And today I have great news for you. I have great news for you that there is a way for us to step into it. So let's talk about that. How do you step into the victory that Jesus has opened for you? What do you do? How do you respond? Those of you Christians that, that have been wanting to break free of some things in your lives for a long time, how do you step into that? Well, first, we see this in verses five and in verse 11. The first thing is the cross. You need the cross. You see, resurrection begins with the cross. 
verse 5 tells us. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, the cross, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 11. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, cross, and alive to God in Christ Jesus, resurrection. You see, we have to take those things, those places, those specific things that are are trapping us, that are getting us stuck and chained up and locked down. We have to take those to the cross and surrender them. We have to die to those things that have bound us. We have to die. We have to let go. We have to stop doing life on our terms. And it's only when we surrender at the foot of the cross of Calvary, that resurrection life can begin to fill us. So we have to start with the cross. The second tool that God has given you to to access the victory that Jesus has opened for you is community. Like the two men, opening that mind that had been chained up, you need people in your life who know how to wield the bolt cutters of the resurrection power of Jesus. You need people around you. You need community. You need a safe house like the underground railroad where we can just smuggle one another out of slavery. The way that we live this out at Renaissance Church is in communities called house churches. And if you do not have a spiritual community, this is an amazing way for you to find it. People who are going to care for you. People that want to know, what are you dealing with? What are you struggling with? How can we help you? How can we pray for you? How can we wield the bolt cutters of the resurrection power of Jesus in your life? You need the cross. You've got to start there but you need community. You need people around you who can help you. I want to close with this. Um, On January 1st of 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. The slaves in Texas here were not told for a year and a half. It took a while for the word to get out. Like, you know, you're free. That message took some time. And honestly, a lot of people who were living in slavery, they they heard that message and they didn't believe it. They they stayed in their uh, homes of the slave masters that they were in. They weren't so sure about it. And it was a progressive time. It, it, It took them time to really lean in, to trust that this was true. And in fact, even this week, we've seen how uh, in Georgia, a person is still feeling the effects of slavery, a young man that died. You see, victory started the moment that that was signed in 1863, but it has taken time. Many battles have been fought and victories are being won slowly over time, even though so many are living under the shadow of their former slavery. Friends, 
God has purposed for you and for me that we would walk in the newness of life. This journey that we're on where we're, we're becoming more like Christ is progressive. It's not like a magic wand where all of a sudden everything is perfect. It's we have to take some new ground. We have to step into the victories that Jesus has open for us. And so I want to challenge you this week to step into some new ground, to take some new ground of victory, to walk in the newness of life that Jesus has paid for you. Remember, the empty tomb has opened newness of life for you. The empty tomb emancipates us from our old slave master. And the empty tomb means your chains can be broken. We have the tool. God's given the power through the resurrection of Jesus. Pursue the cross. Go there and surrender. Humble yourself and pursue community. Let's pray together this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.